0: Annie Armstrong and Lottie Moon. I knew that would happen. Uh, if you have your Bibles with you, <clears throat> i ask you to turn to the book of Ephesians, chapter 1. We're still on chapter 1. I think this is our fourth week uh, in this study. I'm going to be sharing uh, verses 18 through 23 with you this morning. Uh, just to kind of, I'm not going to go over the whole thing, but kind of give you a review of what we what we learned last week. We, we learned that as Christians. Our faith is in Jesus Christ. As Christians, our faith is in Christ and Christ alone. But if we have true faith in Christ, with our faith comes love. We learned that love was a verb. That there was action to it. With love comes thanksgiving. We saw Paul offering up uh, uh, prayers of thanksgiving for the church at Ephesus. But also, with love comes with thanks, comes thanksgiving, and with thanksgiving comes prayer. And we talked about the, the fact that Paul just didn't pray for them, thanking God for them. Paul, We're going to see today, Paul was praying that, that God would give them something. God would give them something that was going to, to empower them, that was going to help them conform more to the image of Jesus Christ. And, and this week we're going to get into detail about that. But I want us to remember if we're truly saved, with our salvation is going to come love, not just for, for the, the folks in the church, but for folks outside the church. With true faith comes love. With love comes thanksgiving. Are you thankful for others in your church family? Is there Are there others in the church family that are thankful for you? And if not, why not? And then finally, with thanksgiving comes prayer. Do you pray for other folks in the church? And I, and I kind of qualified that last week. Do you pray for more than your pastor and his family or, or your Sunday school teachers? We appreciate it, but there are a whole lot of other folks in the church that need our prayers too. Not just our leadership, but but the folks that are hurting, the folks that are going through through trying times, the folks that are going through good times. Do we pray for them, and do we pray for a lost and dying world? This morning we're going to be talking about Paul's prayer, and and just for consistency's sake, or I guess I should say, English English's sake. Uh, i 'm going to start out at verse fifteen because actually eighteen starts in the middle of a sentence, and uh, this passage fifteen through twenty through twenty three is one of the longest uh, if you, well i 'm sorry fifteen through twenty one is one of the longest sentences I, I, I think in the Bible there 's a lot of semicolons and commas in there, but i 'm going to read from fifteen on through twenty three at the end of the chapter're if you 're if you're able physically able to reverence to god 's word if you 'd stand please. <clears throat> And this is the Apostle Paul talking to the church at Ephesus some uh, 2,000 years ago. Uh, But Paul, God through Paul in the person of the Holy Spirit talking to us at Victory this morning on uh, July 14th, 2013. He writes, Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the father of glory may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him the eyes of uh, I'm sorry the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the, his right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age which is to come. And He put all things under His feet and gave Him to be head over all things to the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him who fills all in all. May God bless us by the reading and the hearing, but most especially the doing of His Word. You may be seated. Paul prays for three things right here. He prays that the eyes of their understanding uh, be enlightened or open. He prays that they may know the hope of God's calling. And then thirdly, he prays that they may know what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. And when those three prayers, he's expecting something to come of it and that's that, we're, that we know the exceeding greatness of His power towards us. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. We read in, in verse 18, he's praying that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, or the eyes of your understanding are enlightened. Now that word understanding there can also be trad- can, can be translated literally, heart. So Paul's praying that the, that, the, uh, that the eyes of their heart are enlightened, and that's kind of why we sang that, that one song this morning, open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Paul wants them to see the spiritual realm. Paul wants them to realize, excuse me, that they're not just just Christians. Excuse me for the cough drop. That they're not just Christians who are who are called to live a a, a life on this earth and to do the best they can to get by until Jesus either comes to get them or calls them home and they live for eternity in the sweet by and by. Remember, we said a few years ago, we're not we're not. Physical beings living a spiritual life, but rather we're spiritual beings living in a physical life until God either comes to get us or or, or He calls us home. So Paul wants them to see the spiritual realm. You know, we many times don't see the spiritual warfare going on around us. And Paul's going to talk about this a whole lot more in chapter six. He says we don't wrestle against the flesh, but against spiritual hopes, hosts, and wickedness in heavenly places. Yes, we're responsible for a lot of our sins. So some of y'all may remember, I'm dating myself, the old Flip Wilson TV show, and had this character called Geraldine, and whenever Geraldine got in trouble, it was always the devil made me do it. You know, Geraldine never wanted to take any responsibility for herself. I think so many times we as Christians don't want to take responsibility for ourselves. We say, you know what, I didn't do that. The devil made me do it. But who was it that, that planted the thought in our heads to begin with? It was us. Now, I'm not saying sometimes we allow the devil to take it and run with it. But but we're the ones that, that it's our flesh that 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 thinks the evil thoughts. We think the hatred that that, that leads to murder. We're in our hearts, we're the ones that think the lustful thoughts that, that, that lead to adultery. But what Paul is wanting them to see is, is that there's a spiritual realm out there. And what the spiritual realm will do, the the, the demonic uh, angelic beings, if you will. Satan on occasion, and I say Satan on occasion because Satan is one being. He can't, he's not like God. He can't be everywhere at the same time. You know, all 70 or 80 of us in here today, if we were to sin at the same time, we all can't say the devil made us do it because, because the devil doesn't have that kind of power. But, but Paul wanted us to, to, to see that, that the spiritual world and, and, and that the, the spiritual world, the demonic, angelic beings, if you will, can take what we think and, and, and turn it into sin. And, and he's saying more than that, he's saying that all around us, and we'll see in chapter 6, that there's spiritual warfare going on around us. I heard an old-time preacher one time said that if we could put on spiritual glasses and see the spiritual battles that are being fought right around us everywhere, we would probably all have heart attacks and go on to heaven. Because we couldn't, we we would not be able to. You know, the the think of the, and I'm not talking about the slasher movies, but think about one of the maybe one of the scariest movies you've ever seen that had to do with 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 with, with Satan or demons. Man, it's nothing in comparison to what it's really like out That's there. Right. That's right. Paul wanted them to to see. Uh, he wanted the eyes of their hearts open so that they would see the spiritual realm. But he also not only wanted them to see the spiritual realm, but to remind them and to remind us that we are members of that spiritual realm. And we talked about that a couple of weeks ago in one of the previous passages from this chapter. Because God lives in us and God is a spirit, we belong to God. We're spiritual beings. <clears throat> so we're part, we, yes, we're part of the physical realm, but we're also part of, of the spiritual realm. And just to kind of emphasize the fact that, that we're members of a spiritual realm with, with God uh, in the person of Jesus through the Holy Spirit living in us. In John chapter 4, there, there's a passage you may remember. Jesus said he needed to go to Samaria because there was a woman at the well there. And Jesus proceeded to tell this woman all she ever did. And when she, when she saw who Jesus was, you know, she said, Well, let me, I need to go tell some folks and Jesus made the comment you know through that conversation that uh you know I think she's, I think it said she'd been married four or five times and the man she was living with now wasn't even her husband and that's when her eyes really were opened up and as Jesus was talking to her he said you know she said well we wor- we worship this mountain at this mountain in samaria and and Jesus told her you know and I'm going to going to kind of be blunt but basically Jesus was polite but, but he was saying lady you don't have any clue in the world as what you're doing you don't have any idea who you're worshiping, what you're worshiping, or what you're doing. And he, he made the comment in, 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 chapter, uh, I'm sorry, in verse 24. He said, God is a Spirit, and for Him to be worshipped, He must be worshipped in Spirit and in truth. We can come in here and read all the Bible verses we want to. We can hear all the preaching we want to. We can sing all the, the praise and worship songs that we want to. But if we're not in the Spirit, if you will, if we're not in tune with God... If we're not striving to live holy lives before God, if we're not trying to live clean lives before God, all we're doing is listening to a bunch of words and spouting out a bunch of words. Because to be one with God in spirit, we need to be living the way God wants us to live. We need to be living holy lives as holy as we can, as clean as we can. Are we going to be perfect? No. No. We're going to mess up? Yes. Some of us do it daily. Some of us do it hourly. If you're like me, you do it minute by minute. But Paul's pointing out the fact that, that, that there's a spiritual realm out there that I not only want you to see, but I want you to remember that you're part of. But you're part of it because God lives in you. And God's a spirit. Folks, God lives in us this morning. If we are truly saved, if we truly know Jesus as Lord and Savior, the Bible tells us that the minute we turn from our sin and we turn to Jesus, that God in the person of the Holy Spirit came to dwell inside of us. And so that makes us spiritual beings. So Paul wanted them to, wanted the eyes of their hearts open to to see the spiritual realm, but to realize they're part of the spiritual realm. But Paul also wanted them to know everything that they were in Christ. And that's basically what the book of Ephesians is, is to, is to tell us our wealth in Christ, to tell us who we, we are in Christ. And, and Paul's telling them about the spiritual because we, people cannot see who they are in Christ save through spiritual eyes. That's why a lost person can read the Bible and say they, they, they didn't get anything out of it. But yet a saved person can read the same passage of Scripture that a lost person got nothing out of and, and, and gain tons of stuff out of it because they've got the Spirit of God living in them, speaking to them because they're in Christ. Spiritual things can't be seen through human eyes and it's only God who can open our eyes to these things. It's only God that can open our eyes to the spiritual around us Into the spiritual that that's in us and it's in us again because he's there and we he he's already Paul's already talked a little bit about who we are and what we are in Christ in this first chapter in verses three through six he talks about the fact that that in time time immortal time eternal past we were chosen by the Father. We read about that in verses 3 through 6. Who are we in Christ? Well, we were redeemed by the Son. We read about that. We learned about that in verses 7 through 12. And then in verses 13 and 14, he tells us not only were we chosen by the Father, not only were we redeemed by the Son when Jesus went to the cross, but he says we were also sealed by the Spirit in verses 13 through 14. That's who we are in Christ. We're people who were chosen people. We're a redeemed people. We were redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ and we're, we're a sealed people. The Spirit of God, when we got saved, sealed us and so there's no one, there's nothing that can pluck us out of the Father's hand. There are so many people today and I I believe they're sincere people that believe you can lose your salvation. But folks, if you believe that, you believe that there's someone or there is something stronger than God. Because Jesus Himself self said that those who the Father gave Me, nobody can pluck them out of My hand. And if somebody says, I lost My salvation, well, you're saying either somebody or you yourself were stronger than God. I walked away from God and lost my salvation. No, you weren't saved to begin with. We'll stumble, we'll fall, we may backslide, but if you're truly saved, you're saved forever. Anybody who quote-unquote lost their salvation either doesn't understand the Scriptures and they've backslidden or they were never saved to begin with. Because, folks, last time I checked, there's nothing stronger than God. You can take all the bulldozers in the world you want to and you're not going to move all the mountains, but God can speak the Word and the mountains are going to be moved. You can give somebody all the psychological evaluations and counseling and everything in the world... And not change somebody's heart. It's only God that can change somebody's heart. So we're spiritual beings and, 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 and we're seeing who we are in Christ. So first of all, he says that the eyes of your understanding or the eyes of your heart may be open. And he, he, he says he wants them open so that we may know what is the hope of His calling. What is the hope of God's calling for us? Folks, if we truly understood what the calling of God was on our lives as Christians, not just as a church, not just as a body of believers, but as individual Christians, our priorities would change so much. If we truly knew the hope of His calling, our priorities would change so much. We wouldn't be worried about death. We wouldn't be worried about retirement. We wouldn't be worried about putting a roof over our head or, or what was going to happen tomorrow. What, what did Jesus say? Look, look at the lilies of the field. They, need, they neither toil nor labor, but your Father takes care of them. Jesus said, not a sparrow falls to the ground that God doesn't know about it. Jesus said that God knows the number of hairs on our very head. If He knows all of those things, and we know that He's done all this, if we truly knew the hope of His calling, the hope of what He's called us to do, we wouldn't worry about anything because we know, you know what? God's got it. God's got me. God's got it all figured out. And you know what happens to us when, when, when we go through times of despair and, and, and times of, uh, uh, I guess, discouragement, depression, disappointment. I think lots of times is because we've taken our, we've been like Peter, and instead of keeping our focus on Jesus, keeping our eyes on Jesus, and walking on the water we begin to look at the situation around us like, like Peter did. And that's when we start to sink. Now, don't get me wrong. Don't go out of here saying "Well, well pastor said, if, if you suffer from depression, it's because you don't have enough of faith. I know better than that. I know experientially better than that. Sometimes it's chemical stuff going on up there. But what I'm saying is if we truly knew the hope of His calling, we'd be keeping our eyes on Jesus all the time. I talked about this a few weeks ago. The disciples, I think, gave Peter a hard time. Peter was bold. He was brash. He was arrogant at some times. Peter had foot and mouth disease many times. But Peter was was the only one that was bold enough in the hope of his calling to say, Lord, let me walk out there to You. And Jesus said, come on. And as long as Peter kept his eye on Jesus... He walked on water. But the minute Peter started looking at the situation around him, the waves, the wind, the storm, the minute he took his focus off of Jesus, the, 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 the problems of the world, if you will, got him down and he started to sink. If we keep our focus on Christ, if we truly know the hope of His calling, I'm not saying that we're poor stewards of our finances or the material things God gives us. But if we have a proper attitude towards Christ and we know the hope of His calling, we're not going to be concerned with those other things. They're, they're not going to have a, or should I say, they're not going to have a priority over the things of God in our lives. We're not going to have the attitude. Well, you know, I'd like to go to church today, but but if I can get this time and a half overtime in, you know, or oh, I'd like to tie this this month, but or this week, but but my checkbook says, you know, I'm I'm already in the red. You know, we, we we wouldn't be concerned with things like that because if we're truly focused on Christ, we're going to be good stewards of our time, our talents, and our treasures. And then at those times when some of those things don't look. Like it's going to work out. We need to trust God. I'm, doing, I'm trying my best to do what You've called me to do. I'm going to trust You to provide for this. That's if we truly knew the hope of His calling. We wouldn't be worried about some of those things. And, and also, you know, we would be focused on what awaits us in an eternal heaven... We wouldn't be concerned about the material things. We would be focused on what awaits us in an eternal heaven. And then our lives would be spent making salvation and that eternity in heaven known to others that don't know about it. The analogy I like to use so many times is if we, if we had the cure for cancer, would we keep it to ourselves? Absolutely not. We've got the cure for what ails the world. We've got the cure for the sin that's killing the world. How can we say that we love Him? How can we say we know the hope of His calling? How, how can we say we really believe it if we're not willing to spend our lives sharing it with other people? And I'm not just talking about incidental, incidental missions or incidental uh, evangelism. Or incidental soul winning. I'm talking about each day asking God to show you the people that He's putting in our paths. About deliberately living a life. Yes, I know I've got to put a roof over. You know, God's given me this job to put a roof over my head and to feed my family and all this, that, and the other. But God, should make, making you known a priority in my life. Make me having a desire to, to show people the love of Jesus and telling them the gospel of Jesus, make that the priority in my life. And, and, and I guess I want to go back and preface and qualify that a little bit. I, I don't want to say that, that if you don't want to do that, that you're not really a, 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 a true faithful follower. But what I am saying is, is that we've, we've given into bad teaching over the years. Because especially the church in America, we've been led, kind of like Platt's talked about, Francis Chan has talked about, we, we've been led to believe that, that the kind of Christian life that, that's honoring to God is we say a prayer, we walk in hour, we get baptized, and then we just, we, we might be a little bit more moral, we try to be a little more moral, we try to be a little more honest, we try to be a little more sincere, but yet, as a general rule, we live just like the rest of the world does. And I don't see anywhere in the Scriptures where Jesus called us to a life like that. You know, there, there are heathens out there. There are unsaved folks out there that live more moral lives than people that claim to know the name of Jesus Christ. You know, all you've got to do... I, in the past month, I don't know how many pastors I've read in the news that, that God has blessed them with great ministries. God has blessed them with huge churches. But yet, there's been at least three pastors... I know in the past month that have lost their ministries because of adultery. They didn't have their focus on what their focus needed to be on. They weren't sold out, if you will. It got to the point where there's a TV show coming on now, you know, and I'm not going to recommend anybody watch it, but I think it's on Lifetime, coming on Lifetime. It's either called Pastors or Preachers of L.A., and what it is, is it's going to be focusing on three or four so-called mega church pastors. And what it's focusing on is the Cadillacs, cash, and condos that these guys have got. And folks, when you get right down to it, Lifetime might not think they're doing this, they might not realize they're doing it, but all, all this is, to me, and you might think I'm crazy, this is all part of a satanic plot to denigrate the church. Because the world already has a, a bad taste in their mouth for some folks in the church because they turn a TV on and some preacher's saying, send me ten bucks and God's going gonna, to gonna send you back a hundred. You know, send me a hundred bucks and I'll send you this anointed prayer handkerchief. And, and, and if you're holding it and rubbing it while you're praying, whatever you're praying for, God's going to give it to you. And, and, the, and the world has... Though it's wrong, the world in its sin has bought into this. So these guys flashing their bling and driving their Mercedes and going to their two or three different houses and and all this is nothing more than amplifying what a lost and dying world already thinks. And on the one hand, you see that and I get kind of discouraged. But at the other, on the other hand, I see that and I think, you know what? God must be really wanting to do something great if it's, getting, if it's getting to the point now that they're having TV shows on about pastor's kids and pastor's wives and now the pastors themselves and it's all reflecting church leaders in a poor light. Paul also wanted us to know that our calling is first and foremost to be little Christs. Bible Acts chapter 11 tells us that the the Christians, that they were first called Christians in Antioch. That, That the word Christians there was translated little Christ. And folks, it wasn't meant to be a compliment it was meant to be derogatory to these folks but we should wear that as a badge of honor first and foremost our calling is to be little christ to love the lord our god with all of our heart soul mind and strength to love our neighbors as ourselves to be conformed as romans 12 verse 1 tells us to be conformed uh, i'm sorry to be conformed to, to his image and, and according to romans 12 chapter 12 verse 1 to present ourselves a living sacrifice wholly acceptable to him. Folks, first and foremost, our calling is to live a holy, righteous life before God on this earth. And he's calling for all of us, his calling for all of us is to be a faithful, obedient follower. Not just somebody who says I'm a Christian and they live their lives for themselves, by themselves, and then they and then they 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 throw in Jesus' name on the prayer and expect God to bless it. Our hope also, the hope of our calling, is the confident expectation that Jesus is going to return one day. And that if we're not alive to see Him return someday, the confident hope that He's coming to get us. Or I'm sorry, that that He's calling us home. If we don't see Him come to get us. And folks, this is not a Santa Claus kind of hope. This isn't like when we were little kids and and we had our list and well I hope I hope Santa Claus you know brings me that 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 uh, uh, I can't even think of it the kid that the kid that uh, yeah what was the Red Rider thank you you know I hope Santa brings me that that Red Rider BB gun or I hope Santa Claus brings me that Barbie dream house you know this for for the Christian our our hope is is fact. To to the believer, this confident expectation is fact. It was accomplished. Our salvation, Jesus' return, was all that was set in motion and it was accomplished in eternity past by God's awesome plan. But you know what? It was verified some 2,000 years ago on a cross at Calvary and in an empty tomb in the Garden of Gethsemane. It was accomplished in eternity past, but God kind of, if you will, gave us a reminder 2,000 years ago. Hey, what I say is going to happen, is going to happen. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Then finally, the riches of his glory, or at least the third point. David in the Psalms spoke about how wonderful the thoughts are that God has towards us. And you don't have to turn there, but if you want to mark it uh, in your notes... Psalm 139, we read this in Psalm thirty nine 139, verse 7, David writing, he says, How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God, and how great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. David tells us again and again in the Psalms of how wonderful the God, the thoughts that God has towards us are. Because we are His children, we're part of His riches. Because we know Christ as Lord and Savior, we are part of God's riches. Well, preacher, how in the world are we part of His riches? Well, look at how much God has invested in us. First and foremost, and most importantly, He sent His one and only Son to die for our sins. And I, and I want to add to, to, to Amen what, what David Platt said in that clip, or maybe it was the, the youth that were listening this morning. Yes, Jesus died for us, but we need to remember that Jesus didn't die for only me. He did die for me, but He didn't die for only me. He died for the world. And that's why we need to be about the Father's business, making Him known. He, he invested in rich, His riches in us when He sent His one and only Son to die for our sin. He invests His time in us as we live. He invests His love, His grace, His mercy on us each and every day as we disappoint Him through our sin, through our backsliding, However we let Him down, He still invests His grace and mercy and love in us. He invests in us in that He rejoices when we rejoice. He weeps when we weep. He grieves when we're disobedient. His heart breaks when we forget all that He's done and we try to live life for ourselves. He's invested in us. He invests also His wisdom and discernment into us and gives it to us as we strive to live for Him, as we strive to live a holy life, as we strive to live a righteous life, as we strive to live a life that's pleasing to God. He invests wisdom and discernment to us. He he gives us more knowledge of, of the Scripture. He gives us the wisdom how to handle situations. You know, that, 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 to me, one of the greatest acts of wisdom we, we, we ever see recorded is in the Bible where, where the, the two prostitutes go to Solomon. And they say, you know what? we Both of us had babies, and while we were asleep, this woman rolled over on her child and smothered her child. And then she switched the babies, and she's got my child, and, and I've got her dead child. And of course, the other woman says, no, this is my child. Her child is the dead child. And Solomon goes, well, you know what? I'll tell you what. Take the baby, cut him in half, and give half to each woman. And the true mother begged and pleaded and screamed, said, "No, don't do that. That's my child. But I'd rather you give him to her so that so that the child can live." That's the kind of wisdom and discernment God wants to give us, and that He does give us when we strive to live a holy life for Him. And and, and Paul prayed all that that we that we. Uh, that the eyes of our, our hearts are open, that we see the hope of His calling, that 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 uh, we, we see what the riches of His glory are. And He does all that so that we can, in verse 19, we can see the exceeding greatness of His power towards us. And I'm not going to read those those last three or four verses, but but what Paul's getting them to see, is, wanting them to see, is that the same power, because in this, Paul's talking about those last four verses about Jesus being crucified and resurrected and, and raised up and seated at the right hand of God, and that everything has been put under his dominion. Everything has been put under his feet. In other words, he's given authority and control and command over everything. Paul's wanting the readers, meaning us today, to see that the same power that resurrected Jesus was displayed in us when we were brought from death to life, when we we went from being lost to being children of God. It's displayed in us each and every time we step out in faith trusting God will provide every need that we have. It, that same power is, is what tells us that He is all-sufficient. That He is our all-in-all. All. That's not just some kind of spiritual abstract out in the atmosphere gobbledygook. That, that is a, 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 a true, accurate, God-given, God-promised, God-ordained, God-backed fact of the Bible that if we strive to live for Him, if we strive to be righteous, if we strive to be holy, if we strive to be obedient, if we strive to be conformed to His image, Jesus is all we need. Jesus is the all-sufficient One. Jesus is our all in all. I might be shaken on the rock, but the rock is standing firm underneath me. And he also wants us to see that that same power that resurrected Jesus gives us all the power we need to live out our lives in a way that's pleasing to Him and in a way that's glorifying to Him. We're going to encounter trials and and testings and tribulations, but Paul wants us to see that the same power that resurrected Jesus from the grave and raised Him to the right hand of the Father is the same power that... Gives us the ability to make it through this world, is is what gives us the ability to to, to glorify God and to live a life pleasing to Him, and, and to allow us to live a life to remember. Verse twenty two, He put all things under His feet and gave Him to be head over all things to the church. It gives us the power that we should remember that it gives us the power to remember that whatever is over our head is under our feet. I mean, is under His feet. Whatever's too much for us to handle, God's got it. And so many times, I think we we forget that we we, we want to take our problems and we want to take our burdens, and, and and we want to carry them ourselves. And we want to we want. And I'm not saying we. I, I don't do this sometimes because I do. But, but I, I'm learning as I walk this Christian life out that those times are becoming few and far between. God's not called us to walk around just rubbing our hands and going, oh, woe is me and what am I going to do? How's this going how, how, to play out? God's given us the power to realize, you know what? This is, God, this is too much for me to handle. Too much for me to handle, but God, I know You've got it all under control. I know you already know the beginning from the end. You know how all this is going to play out. You know how all this is going to work out. And God, I just need to be faithful to You. And also, I'm going to throw in there, if we're seeing all these things, we're going to see the power of Jesus Christ, that resurrection power, but we're going to realize that sometimes God displays that power in the people that He puts around us. Yes, God is still in the miracle working business. He can work a miracle. You know what? He could could walk out here or or look down here and say, Traffic 95 be gone. Just like He parted the Red Sea. And it'll be gone. But lots of the times, God chooses to do the miracle or God chooses to to show Jesus through the people that He puts in our lives. The people that carry our burdens with us sometimes. The people that pick the burdens up for us sometimes. The people that when we get to points in our lives where God, I don't know how this is going to work out, and all of a sudden we, we hear a knock at the door or we get a phone call or we go to the mail and we see how God has provided. The, the resurrection power, if you will, the power of Jesus Christ displayed through somebody else, through a brother or sister, or in some instances... <laughs> Maybe even somebody or something that's as lost as Adam's house cat as my, my pastor used to say. Never did figure that one out. you know. Because God can use lost people to have His will done. If you don't believe that, look in the Old Testament and see how many of those pagan kings God used to help restore Israel and bring Israel back into their homeland. Paul's calling them, praying that the eyes of their hearts are, are, are open, that, that they see the riches of the glory in God and, 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 uh, and that they see, know the hope of His calling so that we may see the, uh, the exceeding greatness of His power and of His love towards us. Ha- have you experienced that power this morning? Have you experienced that love this morning? It all comes out of, but it all starts with, a relationship with Jesus Christ. It all starts with turning from our old life, turning from our sin, and turning to Jesus and asking Him to forgive us. Asking Him to make us a new creation. Asking Him or telling Him that we're willing to put ourselves in submission to Him to make Him not just our Savior, but our Lord. We learned last week you can't have one without the other. Has there ever been a time in your life when you've done that? And again, I'm not asking, has there been a time where you've, you've said a prayer, walked an aisle, and, and got dunked, and maybe filled out a card to, to make you a member of a church? Has there ever been a time in your life where you've turned from your sin, you've turned from your old life, you've turned, from, you've turned to God and acknowledged that you were a sinner? Ask God to forgive you. And ask Jesus to become your Lord and Savior. and allowed God to change your life. I don't mean everything like that, all all in one instance, though it happens like that with some people, but I mean a progression of, "I, I thank God I'm not what I was. I know I'm not what I should be, or I know I'm not what I'm going to be, but I thank God I'm not what I was, because I can see the change Jesus has been making in my life as I give more and more of my life to Him. Because as I say so many times, the Scripture's clear. The Bible tells us that whoever Jesus saves, Jesus changes if there's not been any change in your life, doesn't matter how many hours you walked, how many prayers you've said, how many cards you signed, how many times you've been dunked. If there's not been any change, you're still the same old person you were before. That same old person that's in need of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. And if you've never done that this morning, I want to share one thing with you real quick. If you're here today doesn't matter if you've been here every time since the doors first opened. You're a first-time guest. You've been, in a, you've been a, uh, a, an attender. I don't believe in fate, luck, destiny, karma, whatever the words are you want to throw out. I believe everything is God-ordained. Tie that back to this. Everybody that's here today is here today because God wanted you here today to hear this message. God wanted you to hear all all this so that if you don't know Him, today He's calling you to salvation. And if it's your desire to come to know Him this morning, I want to to lead you in a prayer. Keep in mind, as I say every Sunday, that the prayer isn't what saves you. The prayer is just the the tool, the vehicle, the, the method, if you will, to speak your heart to God. But if it's your desire this morning to turn from your old life and to turn to Jesus... Ask Him to forgive you and, 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 and give your life to Him. To, to Ask Him to be your Lord and Savior. I want everybody to bow their heads and close their eyes and, and just repeat this prayer with me if it's your desire. To say something like this, Heavenly Father, I realize this morning that I'm a sinner. That means I've done things to disappoint You with my thoughts, my words, my actions. And Father, I'm sorry for that. Lord, I don't want to live like this anymore. But Father, I know I can't change on my own. Lord, I realize this morning I don't have the power to do that on my own. But I realize this morning that You sent Your Son Jesus to come to this earth to die on the cross to take my punishment, my judgment. Lord, I realize He shed His blood to pay for and to cover my sins. And Lord, right here and right now, though I don't understand everything, based on my faith in You, based on my faith in Your Word, I turn from my sin and I turn to Jesus. I turn from my old life and I turn to Christ. I ask Him to forgive me of my sin, to become my Lord and Savior. I promise to live for Him, to love Him the rest of my life, to serve Him the rest of my life. Father, thank You for this gift. Jesus name amen now if you're here this morning and you're and, and you said that prayer we're going to have a hymn of invitation here in a second and I'd ask